0: three two one from down in the dirty bird oh my goodness gracious the only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet this is buzzard here are your hosts ben milam and patrick mcgee Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It is Tuesday night, June 7th. I'm sorry. It is Wednesday night as we quickly approach the Hattiesburg Super Regional. And (laughs) we'll talk about that uh, here in a second, how exactly that happened. Of course, Southern Miss comes out of the loser's bracket to win the Auburn Regional. Uh, we will we'll kind of touch on the, the regional in general. We're not going to go game by game there. We'll just do some, some flyover highlight stuff. But I would, uh, I would imagine most people are not here wanting to hear a recap of the Auburn regional. I think we all kind of know what happened at this point. Um, on Monday, Southern Miss was able to get the 11-7 win over Penn to get their fourth straight victory. To advance to the Super Regional, um, and we will get into all the gritty details of the Tennessee Volunteers making their way down to South Mississippi for best two or three series to see who gets to go to Omaha. My name is Ben Milam, here with my partner Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing on this Wednesday evening in June?
1: Yeah, well, still glad to be playing June baseball. and Yeah, this crazy weekend in Auburn. Um, you know, four days. I mean, it felt like I guess I was there for, oh uh, yeah, Friday night, Saturday and Sunday night, and I actually had only got a hotel through Sunday, so I had to book a whole other hotel after the win against Penn, and fifty miles or fifty minutes away in Wetumpka, Alabama. Oh. so yeah, so I didn't get there about till one a.m. on Sunday, but yeah, it was a nerve-wracking weekend. Uh, <laughs> lost a couple pounds uh, when I got back, and uh, but yeah, Golden Eagles uh, able to come up. Uh, with the regional win and yeah back-to-back super regionals just and back-to-back hosting super regionals uh, just a, a really tremendous accomplishment uh, for the program
0: yeah it is a huge deal and uh, yeah we'll, we'll get into it here in a second but first of all we want to thank our partner for this episode big gold nation that, that is southern miss dot com it is the premier inside source for all things southern miss athletics a lot of Great content and conversation going on over at Big Gold Nation ahead of the Super Regional. And we want to thank To The Top Collective as well. You can still get in on supporting our spring athletes and athletes in general at Southern Mist. It's to the top dot com. All right, Patrick, uh, you, you kind of touched on it there. It was, it was a wild way to get here. It's never going to be easy for Southern Mist, just plain and simple. Um, there's, it's never going to be a straight line to get wherever you want to get. And that was true in this regional, but also I think it's appropriate to kind of look back for just a second. I think it was April 22nd or 23rd where you had just lost that uh, second game to coastal Carolina. you had gotten blown out two straight games. Things looked pretty hopeless at that point. Uh, Maybe not hopeless. I think you still felt okay about an at-large bid, uh, but hosting was totally out of the conversation. And I think if you had told both me and you or any Southern Miss fan that you would be hosting a Super Regional on June 7th, I don't know how many people would have really believed you if you were to tell them that. It's just been a remarkable turnaround, and you have gotten what you want to get. You're playing your best baseball at the right time of the year.
1: Yeah, it really is, I man. I think, yeah, 22 and 15.
0: And after that, I mean, I, I was actually in New Orleans
1: uh, that, that Saturday uh, there to uh, see a film, and I just remember – but I was in on um, in the French Quarter that day just kind of walking around just to kill some time, but I was following the game on set broadcast. And it was just – I just remember tweeting, like, yeah, this – like, they're going to have to hit the portal hard. And I think, that, I mean, there's still going to be, you know, some roster holes because um, yeah. obviously I have an, an older team, especially in Atlanta. But I just remember thinking, like, you know, this team – they're just—I mean, they'll—they'll they'll be like a you know a low two, maybe or you know a three C type team, and you know maybe they can win a regional, but you know probably not, especially with you know LSU was looking like the only team within that 400 mile radius, and um, yeah, started playing really good baseball, uh, got a break with Auburn and um, you know being able to host, which isn't as strong a team as LSU, even though the Auburns were still a really good team, and you know we'll get an Auburn really scary lineup. Uh, and yeah, you, you run through the conference tournament and you run through the, um, or I guess, you know, you go win four in a row in the, in the regional and it's just the way it, it happened was just crazy where, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's just funny how, how quick these narratives change where, I mean, like you go back a year and like five days. So, you know, like right before, like even like the the Sunday morning after the LSU loss last year, um, the whole knock against, you know, USM was like, USM just can't win regionals. They can't get it done uh, in, in regionals against SEC teams. And now you talk about where you've won two regionals in a row, beating an SEC team in both of those. Uh, and now you're hosting back-to-back supers. And another part of it was, you know, USM uh, always thought, well, if USM is going to win, you know, another regional, they're not. it's not going to be out of the loser bracket. They're going to have to win the first two games like an 9 uh, and you know the ability to come out of the losers bracket, the um back or in twenty two and twenty three winning four games, uh yeah it's just um yeah testament uh you know to the team and I again I don't think the team has the pitching that the last year's team did but they had enough to get through and yeah. you had some guys pitching tired coming back on that on that Monday uh, and yeah they were just able to get it done so yeah I mean it really seemed pretty grim on, on Saturday afternoon at that. After the Sanford game, like I almost, I almost came home after the Sanford lo- loss, where I was thinking, like, well, should I just go ahead and eat this? You know, three hundred plus dollars I ate on, the, or paid on the hotel, and you know, my mom was like, no, you can't. You whatever you did the same thing in Pensacola for the basketball. I was like, all right, <laughs> and then it, it just, you know, it all, it all kind of seemed to change. You, you saw the path as soon as Auburn lost that game, to Penn You could see the path where if you could beat Auburn. You knock them out. Then the host is out. It's not a hostile environment anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was – I mean, that – who knows what, what happened if Auburn would have won. But you almost feel like that was kind of the championship game, or right? I mean, sort of. Between you yeah. all. Where both of those teams were, you know, a lot better or, you know, a lot, a lot more talented than Penn and Sanford were, at, le- at least on paper. And, um, you know, after that Auburn win, yeah, I mean, it was a path where you had to beat Sanford, and then you had to beat Penn twice, which was – I mean, all – there were points in all three of those games where it didn't look good. And, um, you know, ended up beating Sanford 9-4, to um, Penn 11-2, to although, you know, you scored eight runs there. And that ninth inning really break it open. And then you need to come back from five to one down against Penn uh, uh, to win that. Um, So, yeah, they just kind of grinded it out over those
0: three games. And, yeah, just,
1: you know, really, really impressive uh, fashion. So.
0: Yeah, you you sort of just scrapped your way to that point. I think at this original offensively, Um, you know, started slow, and you know that's that's been one of the prevailing themes of this season, starting slow in games uh, at the plate, and that usually comes back to really hurt you. It's it's been it's been kind of a, a thorn in the side of this this team for Southern Miss to to be able to get off the mat. You know, if you get into those middle innings and you're cold offensively, but they're able to do that. And all, well, we'll say the the last three wins, you kind of, you were able to jump out to an early lead against Auburn and really swung it well uh, all day and, you know, really leaned on the long ball there, but did it in all sort of ways. And then those last three games, like you said, I mean, they were, uh, they were pretty high stress for the majority of those games. But I, I, I mean, I think the big thing to me that really stood out in, I think both the conference tournament and this run through the loser's bracket and the regional is the pitching. And it was sort of, you know, it was a patchwork approach a little bit in that last game. But you had, you, had, you know, these hero innings and hero performances out of, um, not necessarily guys you wouldn't expect it from, but guys that haven't necessarily done it um, at that stage and at that length. Um, and and against really, really good lineups. Obviously, Justin Storm did it last year against LSU. He repeats history again um, and and does it, again, in the regional to really, really set up your bullpen. If Justin Storm doesn't do that, I don't know if you win the regional because it it saved some of those top bullpen arms. You're able to save Armistead uh, for – you know, you're know, you able to, to bring him back in that Monday game. You're able to bring back several of those guys that I, I, don't, I don't think you would have – I mean, you were not in good shape, but I don't think you would have been in decent shape or any shape at all to come out of the loser's bracket if you didn't get that from Justin Storm. And then, obviously, Tanner Hall covering nine innings that first day, even though it was a loss. I mean, that really set you up well enough, I guess, to come out of the loser's bracket – And then Will Armistead was fantastic against Auburn. Um, He comes on to close the game just just absolute nails, stone-cold killer. I mean, he's a guy (laughs) – it kind of seems like he doesn't feel pain or feel stress, uh, which is – you know, that's exactly the kind of guy that you want on the mound in that situation and the guy that you'll want on the mound against Tennessee this weekend and was, you know, not quite as sharp. None of those guys who were coming back for a second – outing in that regional were as sharp, but they just gutted it out. Uh, the same thing with Will Armistead to, to close it out and and uh, tie a ribbon on it. Um, I thought it was just a, a complete effort, just gutsy all the way around. I, I don't know if you really played your best baseball <laughs> in that Auburn regional. Um, you, you know, mentioned the slow start offensively, and Matt Adams didn't really have it. You know, you ran into some bumpy spots there with some of those those guys who haven't really thrown a whole lot of innings in those last two days of the regional. But you're able to get enough. And, you know, you're able to get the job done. Um, and obviously, you, you go into this Super Regional with a lot of momentum because of those gutsy performances, even without, I think, playing your best baseball.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of missed. I mean, you go back to even that Monday game when you score 11 runs. I mean, you still had that whatever it was, in the bottom of the fourth or fifth. Where it was five to five, you had the base to load loaded and then you don't get anything out of it. So you got a four run inning that, you know, yeah. felt like a, uh, a momentum killer, which is really weird. But I mean, I, you could have scored, you know, 14 or 15, and there just felt like there was a lot of, you know, leaving on base. So I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, if you can catch some of those runners on base. I mean, and obviously Tennessee is going to have, you know, a much talent, more talent pitching staff than any of the three that you saw um, this weekend that we'll, that we'll get into. But yeah, and I mean, I, you know, felt like even, I mean, even on like Sunday night, I was getting kind of frustrated because, then they were kind of throwing out like the Sunday guy that they threw out, which I thought, you know, I was kind of reading some stuff. He was like a low 90s. I was like, oh, this guy had a pretty impressive arm. And he was, you know, really just kind of 83 to 87 at lefty Owen Cody, but he uh kept him flummox for a little while. And then, you know, they brought in a couple other uh a couple other arms that were a little better getting kind of like low 90s. I think what was the uh uh uh, uh Trop, Eli TROP was the guy they brought in on. On, yeah, uh, on Sunday, and he, he shot him down for a little while, and then eventually, you're finally able to get uh something going. The um, there in the night, scoring eight. Um, so yeah, it was um, and then, but yeah, I mean, there was also sometimes in that pin where it was pin game where you know you have guys throwing like 84, 85, like some right handers, you just kind of swinging through it, which got a little frustrated, but yeah, eventually, you know, you're, you're able to cash in all those opportunities. So, um, yeah, just um, just kind of repeating, but. Back to back supers, and um, yeah, I mean, it's going to go down as three days in June, kind of like when the Red Sox won four games uh in a row back in 2004 in that uh, that ALCS. I, I guess you're Yankees, nah. you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, I forgot about that, but uh, you know, kind of the uh, the USM equivalent of that, uh, maybe, yeah. but yeah, a combination of a uh, good enough pitching, um, and uh, you know, enough hitting when it counted. I mean, I really going back to Penn, I was almost more impressed by their hitting. I mean, I felt like yeah. Their, a lot of their arms were kind of just you know lower in some belt arms, but you know they were they didn't have a lot of you know high end talent, but they had a in the lineup. But they you know guys they put the ball in play, and um you know they were it was a tough lineup to navigate. I'll be honest. Yeah, and,
0: it was um, a lot of respect for those guys. Now, yeah. oh ton ton of respect for Penn. Yeah, uh, I mean that just no easy outs. Didn't strike out a lot. Spoiled a lot of really good pitches. Um, yeah, just just I mean all of those guys could hit it to any part of the field. Um, I mean they they burned you on the shift more times that I could count and then yeah. we hit into their shift more times that I could count. And so yeah, I mean that that was a scrappy ball club. That was uh you know, they're much better I think than um, than they seemed like they would be on paper. Uh, so really impressed with them. Uh Pat, I don't have a whole lot more on Auburn. I feel like I had one more thing. Oh, I did. Um, yeah, well this, and this is kind of a segue a little bit, but I do think coming out of the losers bracket and obviously you were aided by only having to beat Auburn once, but it felt like the way the team carried themselves through all those next four games. Um, I feel like as a testament to, to something we've talked about a lot, just the veteran presence in this group, the fact that they've been here, um, you know, there's not the amount of talent, especially pitching wise on this roster. And the talent you had returning last year offensively has not been as good in 2023. But these this is just a group that's won a lot of ball games. And I feel like that that confidence, that kind of mental fortitude really, really showed in auburn this past weekend and, and i think is a big advantage going into the super regional that's just a little quick t- tidbit i thought was uh, worth mentioning Pat. anything else on the auburn regional yeah i mean
1: and i just kind of get back to I mean, and you also get the feeling that you know and it's been mentioned but like this isn't the final goal for this year's team we're like last year after lsu that kind of felt like one of the super regional you yes. know a lot of that's because you you know it had been a, a, a while you I know mean, over a decade since you had won a regional I'm beating LSU, obviously. You know, probably the biggest brand in college baseball, and doing it at home, and you know, just kind of in dramatic fashion. And you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, USM dog piled after winning a regional, and they're just uh, nothing program." <laughs> but this time, it was, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like a maybe a step above winning a just a normal like game after this thing. You know, I think that's you know, they kind of expect to be here, and obviously, USM was the favorite, you know, uh, against Penn. Where I mean, it was kind of just a weird feeling where. You know a lot of people root for Penn as the you know they're kind of the little scrappy underdog, which usually USM is kind of in the opposite position where USM trying to knock off the big dog. Um, so it was just it was kind of weird, weird playing the bad guy, but yeah, I just you just feel like this time, you know, this weekend might not go the same or it might not go the way you want it to go, but you know, you feel like this team they still feel like they have business approved, which um, whereas last year I think it was just kind of more of a whoa, you know, we just we want a regional where this year yes. it's like this is just one step. Uh, to reaching the ultimate goal so
0: yeah which is interesting because you were the host last year um yeah and you, you know you're just you're the two seed but obviously yeah things kind of flipped a little bit after after you were able to eliminate Auburn all right Pat let's get into the 2023 version of the Hattiesburg Super Regional that feels good to say um I'm sure everyone is, is sufficiently read up on on everything. Uh, you know, plenty of Tennessee fans have qualms about the process, <laughs> which I, I think is totally fair because it's it's not uh, necessarily defined on how to how to decide who is going to host between you know the two seeds, and and we would be parroting a lot of the same things that they are saying if if this was in Knoxville. But it uh, it goes the way of Southern Miss, and that's not something I really expected. Usually, when it's between Southern Miss or, or someone um, you know close to our level and a big money SEC program, a high high resource athletic uh, department and program, it usually goes not the way of Southern Miss. But you get the benefit of hosting this regional. That's a huge deal. You're play, playing in front of your home crowd. And um, you know you get June baseball on Fourth Street again. Obviously, you know that, that is a big deal for a lot of different reasons. Um, but Pat, yeah, let's dig into the volunteers. We'll talk about some of the things out. Or you you, don't, you want to add yeah, something? Yeah, just, that? just okay.
1: yeah. I, was, I mean, I, it was just kind of crazy how it came down because, like, I was watching in my hotel the Tennessee Clemson game, and I was thinking, well, you know, Tennessee wins. There's no chance USM would. Get it over yeah, Tennessee yeah. just because I felt like it was just kind of like a pure cash thing where a Tennessee they can, you know, they'd just bid up a huge amount of money and they'd be willing to eat the cost or something. But then, you know, I, you know, this kind of things wrapped up on uh on Sunday or on Monday, it kind of seemed like it was a better chance. I mean, really, he started seeing some things on Sunday, really, where Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fate were saying, you know, USM they might have a better case than people think. And I don't know if they're getting that from the committee or not. And you know, people are saying, Oh, hey, you know, it's probably gonna go to Hattiesburg instead of Knoxville if this goes down, but you know, I started getting a pretty good feeling, I guess, after um, the game ended and then you started hearing things. I mean, kind of like you started hearing things about, um, you know, going to Auburn before that uh, whole thing went down. And then, yeah, I mean, you you started really getting the word there on on Tuesday morning and then officially at 9 a.m. So, yeah, man, I think it just kind of came down to, uh, they're tra- they, you know, they got some blowback, obviously, from the eight ACC hosts. And, you know, some of them I and three of those hosts lost, including two top eights with Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Um, And then, you know, you also factor in, you know, Tennessee, a big part of it's your conference record. And obviously, you know, the SEC is a tougher schedule than the Sun Belt, but they were, you know, Tennessee was 16 and and 15 on aggregate in the SEC. And so I think that hurt them. Um, And then, you know, some of the attendance stuff. And um, so I think, yeah, I think it just ended up coming down to more of the normal selection process uh, versus, you know, just Tennessee saying, hey,
0: we're, you know, we're bigger budget or whatever. So, yeah. And without an Applebee's in town. No. That is where it gets awarded the Super Regional. Just shocking. <laughs> All right, Pat. Uh, Pat, let's look into the Tennessee Volunteers. What do we need to know about Tony Vitello's crew? Yeah, well, I mean, they're really, really
1: good, I think. I mean, I think they're a team that – they're a two-seed, and I said it when they lost in their conference tournament against a uh, and maybe it was, or, or I can't remember. I think it was A M and in, in Hoover. I was like – this is a two seed, but they're going to be the most dangerous two seed in the field is based on the roster they have. And yeah. I think that's kind of played out. I mean, they just beat a red hot uh, Clemson there. It was in 14 innings, but they were able to get that done in a very hostile environment. And um, yeah, I mean, I think they're uh, they're a top eight and disguised as a two seed. Um, I mean, you kind of look at Massey, they're seven and Massey, uh, 41 and 19 overall in the SEC. Like I said, they went 16 and 15. Uh, and I think uh, – okay, sorry, I thought I lost you there. I was just clicking on their on their uh, team page for Massey. But I think you when you look at this Tennessee team, the thing that comes out to you is just the outrageous talent they have on the pitching staff. Um, and we'll get into their offense as well. But, I mean, you just look at their Massey uh, uh, pitching or pitching slash defense number is number one in the country. And uh, the rotation they're going to roll out there is going to be Andrew Lindsey, Chase Dollander. And, uh, and Drew Beam, all those are right-handers, and but all of those guys, I mean, are going to be draft picks. And now, honestly, and Lindsey's the guy that's been throwing for him on Game One Fridays, but he's probably the uh, you know the going to be the I guess least or lowest rated of the, of them draft wise. He's a fifth year player. Uh, we'll get into those guys, but then you also go in uh, Chase. They have two beams: Drew Beam, who uh, would be their Game Three starter if he gets to a Game Three, and then you have Chase Beam, who was you know started the year as their Saturday guy. Is going to be a first rounder next year. That he came in, related through six and two thirds against Clemson.
0: Um, Chase so Burns, yeah. Chase Burns, Chase
1: Burns. Sorry, yeah. yes. not Chase. Yeah. Drew Beam and Chase Burns. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: um, and yeah, and then so yeah, I mean, it's just the the pitching. I mean, they're it's going to be every arm you're going to see is power arm on power arm, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I just start talking about those guys. Um, I mean, I guess you, you, Andrew is the guy you'll probably see game one, and a really interesting story. So he's a fifth year guy uh played two years in juco went to charlotte and he just he kind of left baseball for a little while he um had a pretty good season at charlotte his junior year and but he didn't play any college baseball in 2022 went back home and um he kind of fell in love with the game again he coached like a youth baseball team uh in his hometown Uh, went to a summer league pitched pretty well there and uh, ended up going to tennessee um so just kind of a, a crazy story but he's a guy yeah, so he has a 2.40 ERA, 104 uh, WHIP, and uh, 63 in 63 and two thirds innings, seventeen walks, sixty four Ks, uh, and he's going to be a guy ninety three, ninety five primarily fastball slider guy. Um uh, uh, again, he's you know he's the least talented maybe on paper of these three guys, but he's still going to be you know probably a top five round pick this year um, in the draft. So he's kind of guy he, he you know he was not again again just based on you know talking about the crazy story wasn't even in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Um, and now he's a Friday night guy, a guy that didn't even play college baseball um, a year ago. But, yeah, he's been pitching really well. Uh, I think he threw six or seven innings against Charlotte, only gave up one run. Um, so, yeah, he, he's the guy you're going to see most likely in, on that Saturday game. Uh, and then you go to game two. I mean, you go to Chase Dollar, and he's, you know, one of the top two to three or four most talented arms in the country. I mean, you're talking about a guy that before the year, they were thinking this is a guy that could have been a, a generational-type talent. And he's yeah. still going to go in the top, you know, top 10, top 15. Uh, hasn't been quite as sharp as he was a year ago. He's got with a 450 ERA, 127 uh, whip. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's got 111 Ks and in 78 innings, uh, uh, walk 27. Uh, so pretty good control there. And, yeah, he's going to work, you know, 95 to 97, going to throw a slider. Uh, I think he, he can show four pitches. He's primarily fastball slider, but I think he, he can show – you know, three or four offerings there. Um, Struggled. I mean, I guess I wouldn't even say he struggled against Clemson. I think he gave up three or four runs against them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy not – he hasn't been as sharp as he was a year ago, but we're still talking about, I mean, one of the most talented arms in the country, future big leaguer, SEC pitcher of the year a year ago. He might have been national pitcher of the year. I can't remember that. Um, And he's still somebody that's, you know, capable of shutting down any lineup in the country. Um, and then you get in uh, to a game possible game three, Drew Beam, who is projected to be a first-rounder uh, in 2024. He's a sophomore, 409 ERA, 131 whip. And, yeah, I mean, no, the power arm, he's going to be up to 92, 95. Um, has a slider and a changeup, so a three-pitch guy. And, yeah, uh, uh, 20 walks, 72 Ks, 72 and two-thirds innings. So all three of these guys in the rotation, they're all strike throwers for the most part. They all have high-end stuff. They're all going to go high in the draft. Um, and you kind of look at uh, uh, their bullpen, I guess. The two guys you kind of look at in the bullpen, you talked about him, Chase Burns, who, again, started the year. He's just thinking – or as their Saturday guy, and He you know, is a top-five pick possibly for 2024, and he hasn't had quite the year he did last year, but he, I mean, he's 4 9 ERA, 127 whip. Uh, but, I mean, he's a guy that's going to get up in the upper 90s. Upper 90s, uh, I mean, I think he was still pumping like 98 at his 100th pitch against Clemson. Um, coming out of relief so he's a guy he's transitioned in that bullpen role has 100 strikeouts and 62 in 62 and one-thirds innings so i mean just another super talent arm gonna be you know taken in the first half of the first round next year and you know he's a guy that's coming out of the bullpen for right now uh, uh another guy you kind of look at seth halverson um another guy kind of like lindsey older right hander 372 era 109 whip and he's kind of you know kind of low to mid 90s type yeah another just power arm after power arm 46 innings uh 14 any or 14 walks 47 K's. Um, so those are kind of the, the three starters and the two bullpen arms um they're gonna rely on. Um, AJ Russell, I think is a freshman, has a 0.94 ERA, point five six whip. They haven't used him as much in SEC play. Uh Xander uh Sechrist, uh 205 ERA, 104 whip. He's been their midweek guy. I think he's a, he's a lefty sophomore. Um uh Cam, Camden Sewell, kind of more of a pitchability guy throwing 22 innings for 90 array, 132 whip and means 87 to 90. Uh, but, yeah, just kind of recapping um, just the pitching staff. I mean, this is either Tennessee or Wake Forest. I mean, you can go either way on either of those teams uh, on having the most talented pitch staff in the country. So, I mean, you're looking at a rotation with two first rounders, a bullpen arm that's going to be a first rounder. And then you're talking about the Friday guys, maybe the least least talented of the bunch, but he's going to be up, you know, a top three to five round pick. Um, And then you, you know, you take another guy like, um, like Halverson, that'll be, you know, pick somewhere on day two. So just a bunch of power arms, just, you know, I think Barry said big league arm after big league arm. When you look at this Tennessee pitching staff. So,
0: yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's kind of zero in on the, the pitching and then we'll move on to the, the offense. I mean, Dolander, I mean, it, you, you, I would be shocked to be he's not thrown in the big leagues. You mentioned that, it, I mean, he has big league stuff right now. Um, he actually, I watched that Clemson his start against Clemson. He showed five pitches. He's wow. got he's got the the four seam fastball, but he throws a really nice cutter too. Or he did against Clemson. Didn't use it quite as much his second and third time through the lineup, but it is very very effective, especially on lefties. And then he's he's got the power slider. That's kind of his primary secondary pitch, um, and then he'll 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 mix in a, a kind of a more of a 12-6 curveball. And he's got the change up. Um, well, maybe it is just four pitches. No, that's five. That's five. Uh, yeah, fastball, cutter, slider, curveball, change. And so, um, and he when he's on, he can spot everything up. Um, like you said, he doesn't throw a lot of. A walks at all. I mean, this pitching staff in general—you said it—they—they they throw a lot of strikes. I think they're sixth or fourth in the country. Let's see if I can pull this up. I had it pulled up. Fourth in the country in walks allowed um, per nine innings, and it's—you um, know—that's—that is just a shade behind Wake Forest, and then Wofford and, and Elon too uh, had very good pitching staffs in terms of strike throwing, but. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the power stuff, like you said, it's, it's going to be not all you see. I mean, they've, they've got a couple of guys who are out of the bullpen who are going to be really effective, have been really effective. And they'll sit, you know, 90, 92, um, but it's really good stuff. Always really good breaking balls. And this is, you know, I was kind of comparing the matchups of what you, at least on paper, of what you looked at compared to Super Regional last year, Dylan DeLucia and Elliott. What was his first name?
1: Hunter, Hunter Elliott.
0: Elliott. Hunter Elliott. Those two guys, I mean, neither of them were power guys. DeLucia had a little more velocity. You know, he, he could get up to 93, 94 every now and then. Um, those two guys, just they were a little bit more on the pitchability side, really great at spotting up the fastball. Both guys had great tail on the fastball. And and then you look at Tennessee, and it's a lot of power stuff, and then obviously you, you really struggled last year against Delusha and Elliott. I feel like, not to say it's, it's a good matchup, because I don't think it's a good matchup for any offense in the country against Tennessee's pitching staff, but – I feel like this is a little bit I feel a little bit better. I'll say it that way. I feel I feel a little bit better about the matchup for Southern Miss the way that that we typically struggle against the crafty guys. I mean, you saw it against Penn in both of those games. Um, you, you know, you you don't you don't see just a ton of really heavy power stuff, mid to upper nineties in the Sun Belt. And um southern miss historically and i think this year has really struggled against kind of the softer pitchability stuff when guys can really really execute their spots in all four quadrants and um and again you saw that against in the Auburn regional um and you really had more success against tommy Vale than you did against any starter that you saw in the tournament and he he yeah. was a little little heavier on the velocity but he was also more of a pitchability guy but um, I feel a little bit better about our offense lining up against power stuff than you know a lot of crafty, just kind of guys working both sides of the plate and, and spotting up their stuff. Not to say that the Tennessee pitchers are not going to be able to spot up their stuff because they do. They throw a lot of strikes, as we mentioned. But I, I like the power matchup versus the crafty matchup. If you want to say it that way, Pat, you agree? To yeah, agree?
1: I mean, I think I think that. I think Lindsey and B. I think I think they're all hit-able. Um, You know, maybe I want to set it up under last year, and, but he's you know regressed a little bit. Uh, and I just I just kind of you talk about you don't see that a whole lot in the Sun Belt. So I was just kind of going back and looking at uh, the Mason McCray stuff ratings, and I was just kind of seeing like, or, who are the guys that USM has faced that have like huge stuff? And it's the guys you know. and mean, obviously Sam Nolan at South was up to one hundred and one. Yeah. Seth Carter at South was up ninety seven ninety eight. But that was just you know a few batters. Um, I'm trying to think who, um, um, the other guys that are Zach I Fruitt, right? Yes. Yeah. You struggled against him a little bit. He was 96, 97, but you know, another guy that they hit really well, uh, that has some of the biggest dumb calls baseball, Teddy Sharkey from coastal, the yeah. closer coastal who's, you know, kind of mid to, you know, we can get up to that 96, 97, um, a couple other guys that were on there, uh, Zane Russell at DBU, um, Alec, uh, um, Another guy, Alex something at, uh, at DBU. So I don't know if they've seen a starter, starters with the um, with the level of velocity that Tennessee has, but, I mean, they've seen it at least in short spurts um, with Sharky, uh, Nate Dom in Mississippi State, uh, which, you know, he was actually going to had some success against USM uh, there in that midweek game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess you just kind of look at the history of USM baseball. Traditionally, these USM lineups have been – good fastball hitting teams and obviously we said you know these Tennessee guys they also have really good all speed stuff as well but um yeah I mean I guess it's, it's kind of the where if the you know it's not just the velocity it's the like if it was just guys throwing like you know ninety six mile per hour fastballs but I mean, it's just like kind of like batting practice but it's just kind of the you know they also make you um have to respect their all speed stuff as well um so I don't know if I'm as much as concerned about uh you know handling velo as it is just kind of seeing the off-speed stuff with the velo. Because, um, you know, these sliders, I mean, some of the – you know, Donald are probably is one of the best sliders in the country. Um, so, um, the, it'll be, you know, all righties. And, you know, we talked about kind of the, the can't-hit-lefties thing is died a little bit. I mean, especially after um, this last weekend where, you know, you hit Tommy Vale, um, you know, harder – or maybe not as hard as he's been hit all year, but, you know, probably one of the worst starts he's had all year. And then, you know, against Penn, they threw um, kind of a crafty lefty – um, i'm uh, blanking on it david uh shoemaker and he don't think he got a single out uh, they had to pull him after four or five um on battery you know, i think oh, was, i was actually reading an interview with the pen coach he said he had like a torn labrum or something like that but really able to hit him hard um so yeah it's yeah it's gonna be i mean i think here's what what i think with their pitching i think there's a pretty decent chance that usm could strike out like 12 to 15 times this weekend but that might be okay if you can hit homers. You're gonna to have to hit homers, and these guys have struggled with yeah. giving up the long ball. You look at um, uh, Dollander has given up, let's see, 13 home runs. You look at Beam has given up 12 home runs. Um, Burns has given up 10 home runs. So you got three guys, three of their four most used guys, have given up double digit home runs. So I think, I mean, you're gonna look kind of foolish maybe at some times, You know, with the, some of their off speed, you might strike out double digit times. And every game you play this week but if you can slug it hit get some doubles hit some home runs I mean that's probably going to be the way where you score I don't think this is going to be something like where you're just kind of you know hitting a couple singles and you know you're going to have to it's not going to be a station to station producing this week I think it's going to be up to weekend where you're going to have to have to hit the long ball
0: and uh, you know have to hit quite a few of them to uh if you're going to win this region
1: or super so
0: yeah, you're going to have to hunt the fastball. It's going to have to be a, a very mature approach with you know balanced aggression and patience. And yeah, I and mean, with this offense has been really good. That's that has been the approach. Um, and I think even even when you were struggling last weekend at Auburn against all three pitching staff, you saw. I still think that the approach was better, you know, than, than it had than it was, especially in the first half. And you were you were able to stay away from you. you not all of pitches outside of the zone, obviously. And I think that's a big key for Chris Sargent, especially. I think he's still um, – he's gotten kind of back into that funk a little bit where he's, he's waving at a lot of stuff outside of the zone. And so he's going to have to hunt fastballs. They're going to have to square up mistakes, which they're not going to make a lot of them. Uh, but, yeah, if, if you do – as you mentioned, these, these guys are human – uh obviously but they have yeah i mean there have been times where they have they have struggled a little bit and been vulnerable to the long ball so you're gonna have to certainly take advantage of that pat let's roll into the offense for the volunteers
1: yeah so they i mean really they brought back pretty much all their pitching from a year ago but they did lose i think like six or seven starters from the offense and they, they hit the portal uh, but they brought back a couple of good guys. I mean, you kind of look at uh, – so let me pull up the uh, OPS leaders here. Um, leader, uh, Christian Moore, I think he's a sophomore. He was MVP of the, uh, the regional, I believe. He's got 11-13 OPS, 17 home runs. Uh, another guy you need to watch out for, Griffin Merritt. He's a grad transfer from Cincinnati, 10-76 uh, OPS, 18 home runs. Zane Denton, who hit the big uh, three-run home run um, against Clemson to give them the lead. Uh, He's a transfer from Alabama, 10.04 OPS, 15 home runs. Uh, And then you look at a guy like Jared Dickey. I mean, he's got to go first round uh, behind the plate, 960 OPS, 12 home runs. Uh, And then got another best, maybe best pro prospect in the lineup, uh, Maui Ahuna, transfer from Kansas. These guys are going to play second base. Some swing and miss there. Uh, He had, let's see, 67 Ks. Uh, I think, you know, people say he kind of has a long swing, but he has 959 OPS, seven home runs. Uh, And then Blake Burke, a guy who has big power there. He's a sophomore, uh, first baseman. Hasn't done as well in SEC play, but he has 15 home runs on the year. Um, So they hit 946 OPS overall, although although when you adjust for SEC play, it's 867, which is a a little bit higher than what Auburn had in SEC play. I believe they're going to have four lefties in the lineup and one switch hitter. Um, So, yeah, it's a quality lineup. I think it's probably a little bit better than Auburn's was. But here's the thing: what I'm looking at is they're not the same lineup on the road than they are at home. You look at their away record; their their home record: 33 and five at home, five and 14 uh, on the road, I believe it is. Or I guess if you uh, include neutral site games in there, let's see. So they are, sorry, five and 12 on the road, true road games, and three and two uh, neutral site. So that would be eight and 14. Uh, overall, um, games away from Knoxville, and again, yeah, thirty-three and five at home. And also adjusted or just looked at their offensive uh, run, just run scoring at home in SEC games versus on the road. And they've scored, I think, a little over eight runs a game at home in SEC games, and just but just a little over four in SEC games on the road. So they're about four games better or four runs better at home in conference play uh, than they are on the road uh, offensively. So um, yeah, I guess it's just the kind of thing that started with them at times. It's been you offense traveling. They do play in a smaller ballpark than Pete Taylor Park. I think it's 385 maybe Uh, there is the deepest part of the ballpark in Tennessee. So it's a real hitter's park. And they do have over 100 home runs on the year. Uh, But uh, a lot of those home runs are at home games. And, you know, when they play teams like – yeah, they play a lot of – you know, they played a a fairly week on the conference uh, their weekend. Uh, They did go on the road opening weekend. Uh, and played a, a tournament with uh, Arizona Grand Canyon and, and UC San Diego. That's they, they went two and three that weekend. Uh, but then they, they also have some games against – they have a midweek series against Alabama A&M, 3 games against Dayton, uh, three games against uh, Gonzaga, who wasn't as good as they usually are, and then three games against Morehead State. So a lot of that – a lot of their home run and run production uh, were in those games. Oh, but, again, yeah, just kind of recapping, it is a good lineup. It's, I would say a, a top 15 lineup in college baseball, honestly, if you, if you look at what – that's what Massey says. Um, but I, I think you still look at, you know, the pitching as being the strength of the team. And I think um, if you pitch it well, you're – if you can pitch it well, you can – I'm not saying you're, you're going to completely eliminate this lineup or just shut them down, but you can manage them to a point to where you, if you can hit their pitchers, if you can hit their arms – you know, you have a chance to win the Super. Hard hitting analysis there, where if, yeah, you pitch it well enough and you hit it well enough. But uh, I yeah. would, I would say that it's a better lineup than Auburn, but would, I would say that it's not as good of a lineup as like LSU
0: last year. So somewhere in between that. Yeah, it's not the Death Star lineup they had last year, <clears throat> but as you, yes, yeah, like you said, it's it is uh, very very good. So I don't know, Keys uh, Patrick for Southern Miss pitching against this offense. Uh, I mean, just a few that come to mind. It's, it's obviously – it's going to be different stuff than they have typically seen in the SEC, specifically from Tanner Hall and Billy Oldham. Uh, I mean, they're probably going to see a few – those two guys are probably going to throw a few more change-ups than they already throw, which is already a lot. Um, but, I mean, just in general, I think for this pitching staff and maybe for especially those two starters, you cannot miss up – uh, you've got to locate the fastball and miss down when you miss uh, because if you if you leave it up and over the plate, it's probably gonna leave the ballpark most of the time. Um, and, and so you' you've, you've got to have I, I think one of my biggest keys is for Tanner Hall to be Tanner Hall for seven and ideally you know eight innings that would obviously really really, Set you up that's going to be much easier said than done but if you can get that type of outing out of Tanner Hall and you can get into their bullpen in the middle innings and just I think score early and get the crowd into it um that's obviously something you were not able to do last year which you know we won't talk about last year anymore but you have got to use the the home field advantage that you have it's going to be a great crowd and you want to be able to get them into it and make it a tough environment to play in and pitch in especially early and if you're able to do that I think you've got a great chance to win this first game and to me I think you've got to win the first game yes yeah did you have anything to add on that or no yeah let's oh. keys keys for you no for Well, this, I this definitely
1: weekend. agree on one of that first game I mean I think you look at the first game, assuming it's going to be Hall versus Lindsay on paper, on paper, just based on like the prospect rankings where Hall is ranked ahead of Lindsay, you know, Lindsay's kind of thing on the MLB pipeline. Lindsay's around like 170, 180 on there. and Hall's, I think, maybe just inside the top 100. Uh, so, again, on paper, you have the pitching advantage on that first game. So, if you can win that, you know, you just obviously you just have to win one of the next two. But if you lose that, well, then you're looking at Dollander, a top Ten to fifteen pick against all of them. thats a, you know going to be um, a disadvantage. So um, yeah, I think winning that first game game is huge. And then uh, yeah, again, like you said, get the crowd into it. I mean, I feel like the last year's crowd was just completely one hundred and eighty from the, the regional to the super. And uh, you know, you know, I think a lot. Of, I, I think you know something that's kind of been brought up, and I've been talking to some people. I think I think people were just, and I don't know if it went down to the team or not, but I think with Ole Miss, that just that just invites like the chaos agent. And everybody gets super nervous. They're like, oh, gosh, we're playing, you know, the in-state SEC team. And we're just, you know, what if we, you know, get just destroyed? And then, you know, obviously you don't play well. And you know, this was, you know, best team in the country at the end of the year. So, you know, that, you know, that obviously they contribute uh, to a lot of that. But um, I think, yeah, hopefully with having that experience the last year, the team will be looser. The crowd will be looser. And, and I agree. I mean, if you can – if you can win that first game and let's say you can get like a Sunday night game because they have not, they've TBA the Sunday and then the um, Monday if necessary. But like, let's say you win that first game and then you jump on, like, let's say you put three, two or three runs up on Dolander and that like top of the person inning because you would be the uh, visitor in that, in that game too. And people are like, Oh, we're just, you know, we're, we can sniff Omaha. Then maybe you can rattle Dolander um then you're cooking with grease at that point or whatever it is they say um (laughs) so
0: um i I do think that is important to win that first game for sure yeah any keys offensively against this tennessee pitching staff come to mind? hit the home run ball yeah doubles and home runs and if you get opportunity and when we said it's not gonna be station to
1: station but like if you have an opportunity and it's is loaded like one out, you can't ground it to level play because you got yes. to score some runs there because they're not going to give you a whole lot of chances like that where you, you know, you have a chance uh, to put up a crooked number. So you got to cash yeah. on your opportunities uh, and hit the home run ball. I'm not going to, again, we're not going to be mad at strikeouts. Tennessee, you know, they either have the number one or number two, just best stuff overall in the country, them or Wake Forest. You're going to strike out some this week, um, but it's just ability to get some extra base hits and if you you know, cash in on a couple singles or some walks or some hit-by-pitches, and you have a chance to put up a crooked number through kind of the station-to-station thing, you better hit on it. Um, So those are kind of the keys, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, got to create some pressure. Uh, I think you're going to have to draw some walks. And as we've talked about, this staff does not walk a lot at all. Um, But you're going to have to make them beat you, make them stay in the zone. Uh, Because, you know, when you are – swinging it at fastballs at your chin and throw, you know, swinging sliders down to the dirt, then that really, you know, that opens up everything, especially for a guy like Dollander who's, you know, got that four or five pitch mix. He can go with anything. And if you get behind in counts, then, you know, it it is, it is a tall task to work yourself out of that as a hitter. And so, um, create (laughs) pressure, get, get, uh, get the crowd, you know, against whoever is on the mound for Tennessee. And then, like you said, cash out on the opportunity. You cannot leave 14 on base like you did against Sanford. You can't go one for 11 with runners in scoring position. Um, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're probably going to lose if, if those are your numbers offensively. Um, you know, we obviously saw it against Sanford, um, but especially against Tennessee. And so, you know, create pressure, cash in on opportunities, and get what you have gotten for the majority of Tanner Hall's career. And I think you're set up pretty nicely. Um, And again, easier said than done. This was a great, great ball club. This is a tough draw for the super regional, but it's never going to be easy. We said that uh, at the the top of uh, top of the recording, it is never, it's never a straight line. It's never simple. It's going to be two to three really intense, um, emotionally draining (laughs) baseball (laughs) games, hopefully uh, because, you know, last year was, that was not the case. But I think if, if you, if you play the way that you did, especially these last four ball games, then you've got a chance to create some of that pressure. Um, And then, then I think you have the advantage, obviously at home. And then with this, this veteran ball club who were in the supers last year and Tennessee's got a lot of guys who played in the super regional play last year too, but I think you have the advantage and I think that's kind of the the formula to win. Um, And we, we haven't seen, we've seen Tanner Hall twice against, I guess, against Ole Miss in 21 and then in 2022. But uh, I don't know that we have seen Tanner Hall against a lineup like this. And so I'm, I, that's one of the things I'm really excited about to watch on Saturday to see how Tanner Hall matches up with a really power heavy ball club with, with several you know, projected big league hitters, Um, you know, obviously Ole Miss's lineup was very talented, but I I think this lineup for Tennessee is, uh, you know, in a lot of ways better. I think in some ways, you know, maybe, maybe not as much, but I think, especially in the power side. And, and that's when Tanner Hall has rough outings, that's a lot of times what he struggles with. He'll give up the double, he'll give up the home run and it's when he misses high. And again, he, he can't do that. So, um yeah kind of just repeating what we've already said here pat but uh anything else we need to touch on here
1: yeah i guess just kind of uh two guys i could see playing big into this and maybe we get into the debate to the debate about it but i mean tennessee against lefties i think i checked there were 255 against lefties over 300 against righty so large discrepancy in their lefty lefty righty splits i mean it comes to the point where do you think about starting justin storm in a potential game three if you get there or i guess it'll depend on how much he's been used um yeah, well, he that, can go
0: long. Yeah, I, I would say I would say that both for Justin Storm and Will Armistead. I at this point, I don't think Matt Adams is your number three. Yeah. I I would agree with that. Um, but I, I think it's probably more likely that you'll need Justin Storm in one of these first two games. I would be I'd be pretty shocked if he was, you know, you know, if he if it does get pushed to a game three, then you're obviously going to run into some trouble in one of those first two games. And at that point, you're probably going to need Justin storm. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he was still available, but if you, I mean, if you do hit that hypothetical scenario, I would, I would certainly think about it. Um, But, you know, as, as we've talked about Scott Berry is usually pretty straightforward and Christian Ostrander too, pretty straightforward, especially in the postseason of how they handle the pitching staff and so to 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 start a guy game three of a super regional who has not started a game this year, I'd I'd be pretty surprised.
1: Yeah, I just remember old Miss trying that in game three against Arizona back in twenty twenty one. It was uh, Taylor Broadway who was a really really good closer for him. Yeah, and then he started the game against Arizona, and got shelled. So I mean, yeah, I mean it's a different uh, situation, and you know, guys, some guys are better close and they are relieving and they are starting and vice versa. So, so but it is a thought because I think, you know, Storm has the stuff to really handle any lineup uh, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I could I definitely think- see him or yeah, just, I just, I could see him having a role um, just if you need him like super close and go like four or five innings, I think he's yeah. capable of doing that. Cause um, again, Tennessee is struggling against lefties. And we saw last year when he wasn't as good as
0: he was this year, do it against a, a really, really good LSU lineup. So, well, I, I would say, even if he's, if he if he's, if he doesn't start that third game, which again, I don't think he will, but I think both Justin Storm and Will Armistead, I think you're going to need some really great high leverage innings out of them this weekend. And, um, and Sibley with, uh, and just with Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Sibley too. And, and Sibley, you know, we've talked about it, it hasn't been quite as sharp, but he had what, four innings last week? Um, yes. Last four, weekend. Was it four? four? Plus, yeah four plus. Okay. Um, I I thought that that was as good as he has looked since the first half. And that was, that was really encouraging. Great sign for this bullpen. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, uh, you're, you're just going to have, I think you're going to have high leverage situations. And in those spots, you're going to have to have your bullpen arms be very, very good, which which they were this last weekend. So that's got to continue. Yeah. Yep. Well, anything else we need to touch on here, Pat?
1: Uh, do we want to talk about, I mean, I guess we don't want to talk about, but being, being baseball, the oh, was it Andre Carbello, is that, did I have that right? From St. Oh, John's, yeah. Yeah. from uh, basketball, um, yeah. just kind of another, uh, addition there. I mean, I haven't, I've been so busy cause it, with baseball, I think it happened when I was in Auburn. I haven't even looked at his numbers. I think I did plug in his name to the Torvik, uh, roster cast and it bumped up USM fifteen twenty spots or something like that. So it is a good addition. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's interested in baseball right now so we, yeah, we can kind of sense. we can recap all the
0: all the portal basketball stuff maybe later on uh, the summer yeah. um so but yeah, yeah obviously or, worth mentioning though i mean I, I think he was all freshman big 10 is, is freshman year yes if i'm not mistaken yeah so that's that's a big ad you still you still i think need that big guy uh that we've that we've been kind of wishing for but yeah we'll uh maybe do a, a fuller breakdown on the basketball roster after baseball ends which hopefully won't be for another two or three weeks. That'd be nice. Yeah.
1: But I guess, yeah, just recapping, huge weekend uh, for yeah. the program. I mean, uh, to go to Omaha a second time. Uh, I mean, that was kind of looking. I think USM – USM and Duke, I believe, became uh, two of um, – after both of those schools won their regionals, maybe two of now 30 teams that have won uh, three regionals since 09. Um, And I think, you know, the list of teams that have gone to Omaha multiple times since that time – uh, would be you know even shorter, um. So yeah, I mean you know you go to Omaha once. I mean that obviously that legitimizes the program, um. But when you go to Omaha second time, I and mean, that really puts you, you know, like these guys are a legitimate like you know top twenty, top twenty five you know type program, um. You know maybe even I mean you might even be a little. I mean I think it was still I guess if you look at like a fourteen year if you two two trips to Omaha and with three supers i mean maybe you, you probably want to be in the top 20 but you would certainly be top 25 um during that stretch and you know really legitimize yourself as you know obviously you're still you know one of the best you're already one of the you know better programs in the country but that would really once you get to that second omaha you know it proves the first one wasn't a fluke i guess if that um makes sense what's obviously you know you can't say that just because USM has been going to regionals and it's been a consistent it's not like a stony brook thing where you know it's yeah. kind of a flash in the pan but um, obviously that would, you know, give the program a ton of respect, uh, you know, you know, for, a, for a long time going to that second trip to Omaha. So.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I think if you would have um, not that, not that we're satisfied and I think the players clearly are not, but in late April, as you told us, we'd be playing in a super, I think we all would have taken it uh, regardless of the matchup. So try, try your best to enjoy this weekend I was talking to, to AP uh, before we hit record and, and shout out to AP for letting us borrow the zoom account. So we're not cut off uh, for 45 minutes. Like we usually are. Um, but Yeah. We were talking about um, it. It's hard to enjoy these kind of weekends because there's obviously a lot on the line, but man, it's, it's going to be a fun environment. It, it is um, already a huge step for this program hosting back-to-back super regionals. And so Try To soak it in, try to enjoy the baseball as well as you can, and hopefully, we'll get to enjoy a super regional win and a trip to Omaha. That anything else we need to touch on here?
1: Yeah, just last thing on that is you know, I think you go back and listen to like our 2022 preseason, uh, from last year. I think I'm pretty sure I said and I know I said it on Twitter because I quote tweeted it. I was like, Man, if USM could just get to two super regionals a decade, yeah. I like, gotta be really happy with that because that would put you at a top 25 level just based on kind of my values formula. Uh, that he used for like two points for up super in Florida Omaha uh and you look now you, you did you did it last year and you've done it again so it's just it's, again it just kind of recap what I said at the beginning with the how the quick the narratives changed but I mean you've got the two supers and yeah uh the yeah we talked I think we said before this year the next steps getting in Omaha and uh you know you've kind of taken that gradual steps where in 2019 uh you're able to because uh, I think I mean if you look outside of 2009 prior to 2019 USM had never Beating a power conference team in the postseason outside of that 2009 season, all thing. So, you, 2009, you took that step by beating Arizona State uh, twice. Uh, and you were certainly, even though you lost to LSU, you were competitive in both of those losses. So, I felt like that was a step forward. So, then in 2021, you beat, you get to that Monday winner take all game by, and then you beat Florida State and you beat Ole Miss, and USM had never beaten. Um, an SEC team and a regional. Obviously, you had those two wins against Florida and a Super. Uh, so that was a step, beating uh, an SEC team and an ACC team, and then getting that Monday winter takeoff. That was a step forward. So 2022, you win the regional against LSU. That's a step forward. Uh, and then 2023, the next gradual step is to win the Super Regional. You've been taking these kind of smaller steps up and up the ladder, and uh, you, know, you have an opportunity to you know, finally get back to uh, Douglas County, Nebraska. Uh, for the first time in 14 years. So, um, yeah. yeah, program is taking huge strides in the last two seasons, and uh, they have a chance to take, you know, one more big stride uh, this weekend. So uh, it'll be very nerve-wracking, but uh, it is
0: great to be in this position. So Absolutely. Let's do it. More June baseball on 4th Street. Going to be a blast. Hopefully two wins for the Golden Eagles. We will be back with you at uh, at some point next week to break down what we saw this upcoming weekend. That's Patrick McGee. My name is Ben Miles. This has been another episode of Buzzardry. Hope to have you back with us next time. This has been Dree. Thanks for listening and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Dream pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.